0: Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of the Mike, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the founder of The Witness. He has a very extensive bio. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother?
1: Good to be on the mic for a very special episode. Might be Maybe the most anticipated episodes of the year for a lot of folks.
0: So I know a lot of people enjoy these particular episodes because we put them on to the things that we've been excited about that have been bringing us joy. We call them our cultural artifacts. Once again, if you are just tuning in for the first time, listen. You have to go back and listen to part one. I mean, you don't have to, but it makes the most sense for you to go back and listen to part one. We're detailing our favorite people, things, music, uh, TV shows, books, experiences from a given year, and. And how we're doing this is it doesn't have to come out this year. It doesn't have to be released this year. It doesn't have to be discovered this year. It's just something that we have to have consumed in the year. So this is in no particular order. And I'll run through my five, my first five from part one. And then you can run through yours. Wait, do my, you
1: want to or do you want them to go back and listen?
0: Okay, okay, my bad. So I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. All right right, you're right. You're right. You want to find out. Good listen point. to part okay, one. Okay, so if you, want our, if you want our first five. Go listen to part one. Very good. Keep me on task, of course. <laughs> so we got five more for the people. And I'm really excited about my last five. Are you excited about your last?
1: I am. They differ from the first five okay, in pretty significant ways, but it, it'll be interesting. But why don't you start us off? Nah, you start us off because I want to end.
0: You know, I got to end wanna, with it. Okay. You know what I'm he saying? I got to bring say. it home. We
1: got to slide in. Tyler and you know always wants the last like, word. You know okay, I'm okay. So, so for this one, I'm going to go kind of roots, kind of roots, uh, but also kind of contemporary. Um, this probably won't come as a surprise if you've been following my work, but quite honestly, it's not something I've explicitly spoken about a ton yet. So for my first cultural artifact of part two, it is Tom Skinner and Black Evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Tom that Skinner and Black Evangelicals. I figured
0: this was going to make an appearance on the Okay, list.
1: I'm glad you did. Um, it's been an interesting year in the study of Black Evangelicals and paying attention to them. So, first of all, if you don't know who Tom Skinner is... Um, go back and listen to his talk at Urbana 70. You can just Google Urbana 70, Tom Skinner. He is a black evangelical. At one point in his career, he was called uh, the Billy Graham of Harlem, which has all kinds of issues, but that kind of helps you place him. Uh, But what he was, was our man on the platform. Mm -hmm. By our man, I mean uh, black Christians who occupy Uh, spaces in predominantly white Christian circles. He was the voice who was telling it like it is, saying uh, where white evangelicals were falling short, saying what it was like to be Black in America. He's doing this in the 60s and the 70s with all of this cultural upheaval. And he is probably the most well-known of a larger group called Black Evangelicals, which I argue is a historically situated group that really comes about in the post-World War II era, probably just up through mm, maybe 2000 or or so. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, I, I mention them because there's been some interesting movement on them. Uh, the the most prominent figures, uh, well, Skinner died in 1994 after a bout with leukemia, very sadly, but his uh, wife lives, uh, Reverend Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, shout out to her. Uh, his right-hand man, Bill Pinnell, is 94 years young and is a mentor and close friend of mine. Uh, and there has been a, a a documentary project, an oral history project in the works. I got to sit down and and speak about for that. Uh, We're also planning a 30th anniversary memorial Hmm. to commemorate uh, 30 years since uh, Tom Skinner passed. And so, there's a little bit more focus, a little bit more attention. I'm talking to some folks about some academic treatments of this. I mention it because, A, it's part of my scholarly academic work, and uh, this was a chapter in my dissertation, and I've studied it as a historian. But also, these folks are, in some ways, the forerunners of, certainly my experience, and to an extent, uh, pass the mic and the witness, right? So, So, they are some of the OGs who are in the the white college campus ministry, the parachurch, the church, the denomination, the seminary, the college, who are having this experience of being hyper minorities and wanting to bring their full black selves and their full Christian selves and not have to make a choice or you know, prioritize one or the other, but hold them both simultaneously, right? So we have a lot to learn from them in many ways. We are building on their legacy. They have, because they occupy this space, they're not quite Black church, as in historically Black church tradition. They're certainly not white church or white evangelical, but they have extensive contact with them, which I argue is what makes them evangelical in a different way than historically black church, which should check all the same theological boxes in a lot of ways, but because they don't have that close contact with white evangelicals in an institutional sense, in an ongoing sense, even in a personal sense, it's a little bit different, right? Like they're, they're not getting paychecks from white churches per se. So because of that, people haven't known where to place them, and they haven't gotten their own treatment, really. But they're out there and honestly, they are the agitators
0: mm-hmm.
1: that to the extent that any sort of white evangelical group has made shifts or progress, it's oftentimes because of the presence of these individuals or these small groups of black people saying, Hey, we're here and things have to shift. Right. So shout out, there's a there's a whole uh cloud of witnesses who, who could go in this category. I don't want to start naming names because I'll forget folks, but it's it's an incredibly ripe topic for further discussion and research, but also I just feel a personal um, debt of gratitude for yeah. what they went through and what they're continuing to stand for today.
0: I love how we like to refer to this as the expansive Black Christian tradition you know, versus just simply the Black church, right? Which- carries with it all kinds of connotations, some denominations that were in, some denominations that were left out. But I think the expansive black Christian tradition really encompasses all kinds of different expressions of black Christian faith, including those who would be agitators as well. So I figured you would mention that I figured that get a mention. <laughs> At here. some point, yes. Okay, so my number one for, uh, well, I should say number six, I guess, if we're talking about cultural artifacts. My number six is actually a comic book. And it is a comic called Human Target by Tom King. Sounds nice and light. Yeah, so (laughs) it is actually a DC character named Human Target, um, Christopher Chance. What he does is he actually assumes the identities of famous people who are being targeted by villains or assassins or those who would like to do them harm. And he assumes their identities to protect them. Is
1: he a shapeshifter?
0: Essentially, kind of. But a master of disguise, I guess you could say. Um, And so there's different iterations of the character. So some of that kind of gets into different spaces. But so he assumes their identities. And in this particular uh, book, he assumes the identity of one Lex Luthor. Huh. And while he's assuming the identity of Lex Luthor, he is poisoned, and because of the way in which he expelled part of the poison, uh, the poison is going to take him uh, twelve days. It's going; he's giving him twelve days to live. So he has twelve more days to live, and according to all of the research, re, uh, according to all the research and, de, and detective study that he's done investigation, someone from the Justice League has tried to poison Lex Luthor and inevitably poisoned him. Mm. So he has 12 days to live and he has 12 days to solve the case. And so- <laughs> that High stakes,
1: that's tense.
0: Yeah, so it is uh, It is pretty pretty significant. I really enjoyed Tom King's comics. If you've been following Cultural Artifacts for a while, you know that my favorite uh, Tom King- uh, comic, which is one of my favorite comics of all time, is the Vision story mm. that Tom King had, and so this follows that same mentality. Again, it's like that that twelve episode ish arc, um, episodic arc within uh, a comic book, and it was really special to see each of the issues take on a different shape. You know, kind of talking with or investigating different characters and investigating. You know, their quirks, their insecurities, their frustrations, also their connections with people like Lex Luthor and villains and their revenge streak and all these other things. So he has this ongoing feud with Guy Gardner, um, the uh, Green Lantern at that time, Mm -hmm. one of the Green Lanterns.
1: So, yeah, it's really... Does he have superpowers or
0: he's just really good at disguises? And
1: what is his motivation? Why does he... Want to protect and like Lex Luthor is supposed to be a villain, right?
0: Yeah, so I think I think this would be considered powers, but not necessarily powers in the traditional sense that you would expect them to to be. And I think he was groomed from a young age, basically, to have this ability to die but not die, to basically be expelled but not, you know, wow. so basically to be the person who dies, but in place of the other person and to be able to endure that. So there's a lot of, you know, oh. feeling a little cruciformity here. You I'm, know I'm, I'm saying?
1: I'm, I'm sensing some sermon illustrations here. Hey man, I ain't gonna, hey, hey don't,
0: don't, don't, ruin Easter. Don't ruin Easter. Okay. <laughs> and while I was reading this comic, well, follow me now, follow me now. His name is Christopher Chance. They call him the human target. The human target, he stands in place of those who would be killed by assassins. He's got it worked out. And he assumes their identities. Now, I need you to understand what... You got it worked out. (laughs)
1: Uh-huh. You got it worked out. I see it. That's why you're reading it. it. Let me just say, I have no idea how you absorb true cultural artifacts doing all that you do. (laughs) Like Like, the stuff... I don't know how you watch YouTube videos, read books, read comic books, watch movies, preach,
0: pastor, travel, write, all of these things. Like, I I can't keep up. I'll tell you this, and this is kind of, I guess, something that we could have put at the end, but I think is, is true now. Consuming art and beautiful things is fuel for the rest of the things. Mm. And so for me, I think the, the observation of masters at work The observation of skilled practitioners, the observation of inspiration and beauty and wonder and awe is actually the fuel that keeps me going. And so it's been a while. Like when I really and truly, when I think about motivational things, I watch something that shows the mastery of someone Mm -hmm. else. And It motivates me to keep working. That's it motivates cool. me to do the daily habits because I see this is what happens when you do the daily habits. It's not that oh people applaud you. It's more you can really walk fully in your purpose and what you've been created to do, and so that's why I've enjoyed it. And that's why I love even a Tom King story mm. uh, because it shows the mastery of words and the arc and you know how people connect and. Just the human feelings that even these fictitious characters will will feel and that we will feel ourselves as well when we face our own mortality, we face our own humanity. So, yeah, human target, man. Oh, that's profound.
1: And I'm glad you said that sort of at the top because it provides context and foundation for cultural artifacts like like why this is more than just oh hey here's some fun cool things that that Tyler and Jamar like it's actually what you're talking about is you know broadly speaking kind of self-care right but meditating on the true the good the beautiful yeah. you know and 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 specifically meditating on mastery that's the,
0: so for me that has shaped much of my life, right? And shaped much of the way that I approach my work, which is how do I master not what I desire or what people expect, but how do I master what God has given me? That's it. Yes. How do I just take the tools that God has given me and master those? And so I'm on this pursuit of whenever someone is at the peak no matter what it is, yes. If I enjoy it, I want to figure out how did you get, I get there. It. Like you know, I get it. So I totally get yeah, it. That's why we do what we do. But Human Target is an amazing. It's twelve issues. I I recommend it. I mean, the last thing I'll say on the, this sort of
1: meditative interlude is it's really it's really biblical. If you go back to Genesis chapter one, right? Uh, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Make culture steward creation, shape art from what I've given you, and do it to an excellent degree. Like, that's what I think heaven is, living fully Mm. into our purpose. It's taking what God has created and doing something excellent with it that only we can uniquely do. It's a unique expression of God's fingerprint on our soul, and in heaven, we'll be able to do that without obstruction. Mm.
0: Without sorrow, without With,
1: pain. Without hindrance, without uh you know, anxiety, without imposter syndrome, Ooh. without injustice, without poverty, without a lack of resources, we'll just be able to create and culture. Can you imagine the music, the freestyles <laughs> that'll come out of that? Huh? The fashion? The hair
0: You're preaching right now.
1: That's that's what we're built for, right? And and so I think this cultural artifacts just reminds us hey it's not all gone and we don't have to wait till heaven to do it there are people doing it excellently right now walking in their purpose and 10 years on the podcast you know maybe that's part of ours but but yeah i think it's beautiful man that's
0: brilliant bro yeah.
1: amen 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 well Speaking of <laughs> taking raw materials, making something of it, uh, the, the the next one is sort of self serving, but I'm truly proud of it. So we 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 said that's acceptable in these lists. Uh, so my next cultural artifact is Justice Takes Sides merchandise and apparel. Um, so for those who don't know, and I'm not...
0: Is, is there going to be a promo code? I'm off-brand
1: <laughs> off right now. I'm not wearing uh, the the apparel. But I'm really proud of this. I I, I went back, historian in me, and I'm like... When did I started saying this phrase justice takes sides? And it came out of a frustration particularly in our politics where a lot of Christians were saying, well both sides do wrong things, both sides are are off, so I'm just I'm not going to participate in the political process. Um I'll I'll vote third party, I won't vote at all or, you know, I won't call out injustice because if I say it for these folks then, you know, what I I'm ignoring it from these folks and what that leads to particularly in a in a two party political system is a lot of apathy it's it's a lot of disengagement but more broadly when we're talking about issues of injustice mm. it's not equal sides mm. Mm. there's an empowered side and there's a disempowered side there's the folks with the guns and the military and the might There's the folks with the money and the clout, and then the folks who have less. Hmm. Typically, that's what's happening in an injustice, whether that's at the border or with poverty or with racism. It's not two equal parties battling it out. It's one party that has hoarded power and wealth and is using that to exploit and oppress another party, typically whole groups of people. And if we fail to recognize that, then we 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 end up standing in the middle, as if that's neutral ground. Hmm. But is there really any sense of neutrality when injustice occurs? And I just look at the example that's of good, Jesus, bro. right? Like Jesus was not afraid of taking a side, and who did he side with? The widow, the orphan, the prisoner, the poor, you know, the sick. Right, so I think that concept, justice takes sides, should inform how we view the many different issues of justice today. So I, I, I think it's a, a a really relevant, salient, urgent concept for more Christians to understand. Uh, you, you, you taking the middle is not you taking the high road. There's this quote that I often um, reference, is that. Uh, Neutrality helps the oppressor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Desmond, the oppressor. Yeah.
1: And Eli We sell. Um so there, there are a lot of different quotes that that that, that we use in um In the merchandise, but I'm also really proud of the team. So shout out to Izzy, who I met at the Joy and Justice Conference. She is a Louisville native. She came up and uh, just introduced herself when she found out I was moving there. She's become our merchandise associate. She's built the website justicetakesides.com. Uh, we did a whole photo shoot. Yeah, I my saw. son was That's in incredible, that. Bro. It was it's really cool. We've got a little promo video. So she's really made it, you know, a thing. And I hope it's apparel and merchandise, and more importantly, a concept that, as um, followers of Christ, as neighbors to one another in this nation and in the world, we wear this apparel, um, and on marches, on protests, at church. And just represent our values that we want to, in the steps of Jesus, uh, advocate and show solidarity with the oppressed, with the marginalized, with the people, as Howard Thurman said, with their backs against the wall. So,
0: Man, I have to shout out the fact that you have made this pivot to being a tremendous entrepreneur, Oof. not just simply being someone who is a scholar, but being someone who has to hustle and does it so well and does it with excellence and does it with consistency and so i think that's something that people don't acknowledge enough about you mm. like your ability to create and build infrastructure and to share that with people and then to market it and and advertise and build your own brand as a result of it that's a challenge Whew. that's something that in our particular circles we get hyper criticized for you know uh black creators and mm-hmm. black entrepreneurs typically get hyper hyper critical hyper criticized for the fact that we're you know over promoting or we we're, we're in the spotlight we desire to be in the spotlight when the truth of the matter is many of us have to feel as though we're over promoting just to even get in the door to be heard so man shout out to you man y'all go and buy justice take side stuff go and buy this stuff what what all what all do you have in terms of merchandise items well
1: we've got our 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 cornerstone item is uh, the T-shirts, Justice Takes Size. You'll see that on a lot of our different videos that we record. Uh, We also have hoodies, which are super soft and comfortable. I'm not just saying that is my go-to sweatshirt when I need one. Um and we also have other merch like we have these stickers, um we have pop sockets so you can put on your phone like a, a a holder there, um a couple different items and of course you can also pick up my books they're all there at justicetakesides.com, Instagram page go follow at justice and and yeah man we we're, we're trying to okay, I didn't know you had an IG. Yeah, we got an IG. Okay, I didn't know this. All that stuff. And we're gonna we're 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 starting to do profiles of historical figures who have taken the side of justice. So you can learn as oh, y'all you se- y'all gotta represent. buy out all his <laughs> stuff.
0: I'm telling you, buy out this stuff. PTM community, let's go. Let's buy out all this stuff. JusticeTakesSides.com. Buy yes, it sir. out. Nah, that's what's up, bro. Congratulations on that, man. Um, I think my next one, my number seven, is going to be an album. Again, it's a weird year for music, I think, for me. I'm trying to figure out how I've navigated music. I think I probably listen to more older stuff than anything else.
1: So you finally got on the Taylor Um, Swift. 1989, is that the one?
0: um, No. um, (laughs) I've scheduled that for 20 never. But but yeah, no, I think um, the one album I keep coming back to is so funny. This is an album that I can just put on and listen to. And it is an album called "A New Thing" by an artist called Madison Ryan Ward. Okay, and Come on, um, tell us. she is essentially like a, a faith-based uh, R&B singer. Hmm. And so she sings kind of soul music, like that type that. of thing. The vibe of it—it's not the album that I would have expected to like uh-huh. or expected to consume. Number one, because I think it's like 22 tracks or something of that Whoa. nature. Epic. <laughs> um, and a lot of the songs are only about two and a half minutes long or so. Huh. You know, it's just not a type of album. Typically I would personally think I would enjoy. The album is incredible. And when I'm, the album is her voice, first of all, and my wife and I were just talking about this. Her voice is pure. Her voice is soothing. Her voice has so much character in it. And, Listening to her voice, she rarely takes her voice in different places and inflection points. It's very much so like a, a Clio Soul type of vibe. Like she'll maybe do different cadences with her voice, but the, the basic tone and tenor of her voice will stay the same. And it makes it almost like an album you could pretty much listen to straight through mm-hmm. and feel like you're getting one big encouraging mm-hmm. sonic experience. And so... The way in which it's done is so smooth. Like I'll play y'all some of this stuff later, but it's so smooth. It really settles you. It's one of the few albums I could actually like work to Uh that's actually music where people are singing because normally you can't do that. Normally it's like lo-fi or something like that. But imagine lo-fi, but someone singing over it in a soothing way. Uh, That's what I would say she kind of feels like to me. That's good. And so there's a lot of it that I enjoy. Obviously there's some faith-based elements to it. Um, but I think what I've enjoyed most is just the way in which that album has made me feel. Ooh. And you know how sometimes you'll you'll be singing different melodies just casually and, and the melodies that I keep coming back to are either hymns mm. or that album. That's, That's those are the melodies that I keep coming That's back good. to in 2023. So shout out to Madison Ryan Ward. Um, love the album, and uh, we'll continue to listen. Listen to it. It's it's how Natalie Lauren's most recent album yeah. made me feel. Now, where is Miss Madison Hale from? Where's she based out of? I don't know. Okay. I have no clue. Like, I, I it's 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 is funny. This her I debut? Done, yeah, no, actually, I think she has done multiple albums before. I think this was just the album I heard a song at an event, and I shazammed it. Ah, there it is. And what's so funny is I realized, oh, I used her voice for my recap video from last year where she sings uh, God is Good by Jonathan McReynolds. And I didn't know her name. I just used the voice. So I said, whoever's singing this- I don't you know, know if you should me. say it, You might owe, owe her royalties or something. <laughs> right. uh, you know. it's just it's Instagram, man. It's just an Instagram <laughs> clip. So, you know, it was just her singing, singing you know- and um, in, inspired by Jonathan McReynolds. Oh, word! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking and about. That's huge. I was like, okay. "Yo!" And, and so it all connected. So you just randomly found her. like. So I randomly <laughs> found her again that way. So I'm like, "This is this is the essence of cultural artifacts because it'll be so random That's and so, so inspirational." I so love that. Shout out to Madison Ryan Ward. When you
1: said singing over lo-fi, I was like, "Yes, turn me on." That's
0: what it kind of feels like to me. That's the best way I could describe it. Well, let's take a break and we'll be back for our final three right here on Pastor Mike.
1: pass the mic, we appreciate you. Hey, folks, Dr. Jamar Tisby here, and I want to make sure that you know about the Justice Takes Sides brand. This is merchandise. This is apparel to help you represent your values. This is about getting people off the sidelines and into the struggle for justice that's ongoing today. Go visit Justicetakesides.com. get your merchandise and apparel there, and follow us on Instagram at Justice Takes Sides. So we're back here on Pass the Mic, continuing down our list of cultural artifacts. And I feel kind of bad because sometimes mine kind of veer off into the political, the social, the heavy... And the next two definitely fit that bill. Okay. So, are you going to um, give them
0: together? Or are you just no, no, no? I'm just going
1: to okay. do one. Uh, but I'm just forewarning people: it won't just be like pop That's culture, right, bro.
0: They've, they know what to expect, man. It's past the mic. So, I mean, we us. One of the things
1: that I think about in terms of these culture artifacts lists are like, like, what are the big things that happened this mm-hmm. year that that shaped me, maybe shaped um, the broader culture a little bit. For me, my next cultural artifact is courageous Christian college professors.
0: Mm, this makes a lot of <laughs> sense, bro. No, this makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because you've probably been following along, but
1: a listener's like, what? Courageous Christian college professors. In particular, shout out to Sam Jokel and Julie Moore. So what had happened was all the way back in 2022 or I think it popped off in 2022, Grove City College puts out this ridiculous statement um, throwing their faculty and staff under the bus for wanting to have conversations Mm. about racial justice that went beyond the very small box of very conservative fundamentalist Christianity, right? Um, Part of that included inviting me to go speak at Grove City College, right. and then the board of trustees, the board of this school, adopted a statement from one of their subcommittees that said it was, quote, a mistake to invite me to speak at chap. So, you know, I had to go. I had I wrote an open letter, and all this came a big thing um, for me. But this is why I do this stuff. This is why I tell these stories. It's not to to clout chase or to build a platform off of criticizing mm-hmm. people. It's to empower other people to tell their stories. And that's what happened with um, these two professors. So I was on Instagram one day, and I get tagged in this post. And it's from this professor named Sam Jokel, who I've never heard of. He's down at Palm Beach Atlantic University, which I actually spoke at once a a few years ago. And I don't know how y'all college students on beaches do it. Like go to school. <laughs> like like, it, like there's palm trees and the beach is a couple blocks away. I'm an F student, easy at that school. Nevertheless. You don't um, appreciate what's right
0: <laughs> around the corner, trust me. I, 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 trust I, me. I
1: could I, I can understand that theoretically. Um, but he tags me in this post, long story short, because I've written about this and we've done other podcast episodes about this, he goes public with his story of his administration. Uh, First, not renewing, first putting his contract under review because he was teaching a class on racial justice. And then because he went public, ultimately did not have his contract renewed and was out of a job. And this man has kids in school, family, and mind you, he's taught there for 20 years. So massive issue, devastating. That gets some national attention in national news outlets. Another professor saw me amplify his story, Professor Sam's story. Her name was Julie Moore. She's at Taylor University in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Identical situation of she had taught there for several years. She's doing this uh, college writing class, this composition class. The theme is racial justice. And she's been doing this. Here's the thing. They've both been doing this. This is not new. But the landscape has changed. Mm-hmm. Critical race theory, right. wokeism, all of this stuff. Now these fundamentalist Christian colleges and universities are having to show their donors and their alumni just how far from the left they, they are. are. Yeah. So they come down on their own professor. So so Professor Julie Moore ultimately loses her job. And the thing with Julie Moore was she quoted me in her syllabus.
0: I remember this, bro. In this the introduction so to
1: her syllabus, she quoted a line from the introduction of The Color of Compromise, which, by the way, is not controversial. It wasn't it a wasn't controversial, controversial line, line at all. all. And, and she didn't assign my book either. She was just using a quote to introduce the class. But that was enough when she met with her provost to say, well, hey, what's the problem? Why am I being, you know, why is my contract up for debate when all my peers said I'm good to go, and he's like, "Well, it really comes down to Jamar Tisby," and then he cites this quote. Right. So I wrote about that. That became um, the the most read article on my Substack for all of 2023. Sadly, she lost her job. Um, hmm. Thankfully, she's gotten some other things going on, but it's devastating. So my cultural artifact are are, are courageous Christian college professors who choose to speak and teach about racial justice in an accurate way, leaving room for their students to form their own opinions but bringing this up right making this a a, a subject of conversation for Christians in college and then taking the blows that come from it. these two professors in particular are really just the tip of the iceberg yeah there are a lot of people who have quietly left absolutely quietly uh, said listen either we can fire you or you you can resign. Um, quietly are not getting severance or very right. much. So it's hard. And what I will say is speak from your scars, not from your wounds. But when you are ready to speak, one, it might be beneficial yeah. to prevent further harm. Absolutely. And two, you've got my ear if you need to, to speak up. That's good. Uh, because these are the things that demonstrate courage over compromise is which is what we need.
0: Bro, I love that. I think that's right on brand, right on cue, and I think that's a great word to amplify even more stories and more voices of people who are navigating the same things. All right, this next one, I know it's going to be like what? Bro, this is feels very Jamar Tisby. Okay, okay. This feels very Jamar Tisby. I'm interested. My number 8 cultural artifact from 2023. Are fragrances. (laughs) Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Your boy into perfumery now. Wow. It's the thing. Wow. I'm actually considering buying my own perfumery kit because I actually want to start doing no it. No way. I'm serious. Like, I actually want to start doing it. I love that. I know it's like, what in the world? I don't know how I, I got into I it. I thought you
1: were going to say history something, but no, this is like,
0: beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Just that It's that kind of like self care situation. Like that a lot. You know what I'm saying? How did this start? I really honestly don't know. <laughs> I think I stumbled upon a something where someone was like, "Man, this is a really great cologne." and or this was a, the the uh, eau de parfum as they would say. <laughs> so now I'm getting into the lingo of the difference between the eau de fresh and the uh, eau de, uh, de, uh to what is it called? Eau de toilette mm-hmm. and the eau de parfum and the elixirs and what? all this. Bro, I'm all in. Wow. I'm like I don't really know how, but I just got down the rabbit hole. I follow. I love that fragrance TikToks, fragrance wow. YouTube videos. I've got decants coming. Like I'm very much so. Like all into this situation. I I I am. I'm getting. I'm get. I'm talking about like seasonal. This is super uh, fragrance profiles, Um, you know, different layers, odes. I'm like all in, bro. I'm like. Completely I mean, all this in.
1: is really helpful because you know. Bo and Ryan and I, we were we were going to say something, but I'm, I'm so glad you've gotten into fragrances. Right, so that right. Now but we that's not going to cover, bring the, it that's up. Not
0: gonna cover the must. So <laughs> <laughs> if that were true, wasn't it going to
1: cover. It's just right on time you know, for you to cover be it. interested in smelling good, finally. Uh, no, no man. Seriously, I'm just, I'm all
0: in. Wow. Like, I'm
1: just... Well, I can't wait to see what you come up with. You have very discerning taste. The different
0: houses and the different ways. And what I've noticed that I really enjoy is the number of um, people of color and particularly men of color who have fragrance YouTube channels. That's amazing. And I love following their stuff. I love purchasing stuff through their affiliate links and being a part of some of that and just being able to support what they're doing. Wow. Because I feel like that's just really, they're trying to help other men do what for, you know, maybe some of us we didn't receive from our fathers Mm. or our fathers never taught us Mm. about or shared with us. And so, It's kind of like that leveling up as a man where you grow. And I've always had like little scents and stuff, but I've never really taken it seriously and figured out like, what does this actually mean? And what does this convey? And what are some of the notes that work better on my skin? Yeah, exactly. And so it feels like it's more of like a personal discovery for me as well, where I'm trying to figure out, oh, this doesn't, and I I mentioned to someone recently who was doing maybe some, a, a profile on different colognes and different fragrances. I said, I like that, but it just doesn't, it doesn't project right on my skin, you know, it doesn't feel. And so when I said that, I said, you know what, that's, I would have never said that right. five years ago right. to to know and understand my stuff and myself enough to like feel confident in what works for me. That's and good. so it's part of this, I guess, not to get too deep down the rabbit hole, but it's part of this like differentiation that I'm going through with, you know, this process of differentiation that I'm going through in therapy of, you know, where can Tyler be Tyler? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm just in that process mm-hmm. and this is like, feels like another level and layer to of that, that yeah. discovery.
1: I love that you said that. Cause I'm not as deep into the as as you are. But I did get into fragrances in the past year or so. So I've got oh, amazing. I've got a business one. I've got a social one. Man, I've got an do one. Don't gatekeep. No, like, tell me not. what you're doing. Like tell me what you're doing. Like, okay. I keep. don't I don't I gotta go research. No, and no, no. Tell me one. one. So, just that. tell
0: me one. What 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 fragrance are you what fragrance are you liking right now?
1: Um it is uh Versace blue.
0: Yeah, Dylan Blue. Dylan yes. Blue. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a, a go
1: to for yeah. me. A um,
0: blue, like a fresh yes, fragrance. Yes. A little bit more aquatic. It's my CEO. You know? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah.
1: That's funny. A sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Come it, on, man. bro. That's like, bro, we got a
0: whole nother. We just became like, did we just become best friends? Did we just start <laughs> a new podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the next 10 years.
0: Bro, so for me, what I'm wearing right now, what I what I've really enjoyed most is Tom Ford, Noir Extreme. Ooh, it's yeah. It's incredible. I, I
1: actually know that
0: one. I, I have, like, just smells like gourmand, like, just even smells like, it's almost like this edible scent that it's just really, really great. Lena loves it. So that's what's most that's important. That's I'm so, saying.
1: Yeah. You got so the proof. I
0: don't have the money to buy these bottles, but I have the money the for little the little, little decants <laughs> and the samples. So I, I order those. I'm in a fragrance community. I literally- Facebook
1: told my wife she was asking for stocking stuffers i'm like get me all the all the cologne all the scent samples yes i literally told her that
0: that's so brilliant <laughs> That's so that's brilliant. so funny. We did not know this. That is hilarious. And now I'm gonna try to figure out what's my favorite house of scents. So, yeah, like, so, like, so you can kind of dive in. So I can just dive into that and just sample all of them. This and, is this Bro, this, I, that's a whole this is a whole new dimension of our a, friendship know, right now. Know, wow. Bro. Wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I knew that I was gonna catch you off guard, but yeah, fragrances, <laughs> man. That's that's my number
1: eight. That's great. That's great. All right, to so take this in a completely different <laughs> direction and a- wow supremacy to go all heavy again um bro i've uh so my next cultural artifact is the criminal legal reformers hmm. i have gotten so much energy from being in groups of people who are are namely working for reforms in the carceral system and to abolish the death penalty so um By criminal legal reformers, that's broadly speaking, that that can be everything from prosecutions and sentencing to uh, law enforcement to jails and prison, all Mm -hmm. all of the whole thing. But what I've been focusing mainly on is once people are in the system, what happens to them. So um, the reason this is important to me is because. As a justice advocate, I don't just want to talk about justice. I want to be involved in doing justice. And in particular, I'm involved in racial justice. So I've always asked myself, you know, what is kind of like the abolition movement of today? What is the field, right? Like it was so specific and so well-defined in the antebellum era. Like we literally wanted race-based chattel slavery Abolished, And then even in the civil rights era, we literally wanted Jim Crow segregation to end. What is that equivalent now? And I argue that that has to do with the carceral system. Hmm. When you walk into the Equal Justice um, Initiative, their their legacy museum, at least the first iteration of it, uh, there's a wall on the left and and sort of floor-to-ceiling letters that say, Slavery Evolved. And it takes you on a timeline on the Mm -hmm. wall that shows from race-based chattel slavery to modern-day mass incarceration. It's moving, bro. And the reason I argue that the carceral system is the direct legacy is because as bad as all of these other systems of oppression are, there aren't any that come close to the physical violence that the criminal legal system can enact upon black bodies, so, from law enforcement and uh, uh, mace, dog bites, of course, killing black people, to literally controlling black bodies mm-hmm. behind bars, mm-hmm. um, that most closely mirrors some of the physical elements of slavery. Right. So, so, anyway, I say all that to say um, that's the kind of issue – that I've I've tried to dig into, and I've been blessed to be part of a few different things. One, part of the Second Chance Pell Grant program at Simmons College, where we can offer college credit courses to incarcerated individuals. So I've taught there um, on a number of occasions, teaching African-American history. Mind you, these are Kentucky prisons. So that was new. I had taught in Mississippi prisons where most everybody was Black. Now we're looking at half or more are poor white wow. folk. So, wow. that's been an interesting cultural shift. Um, I'm on the advisory board of the e- of Equal Justice USA, which is different <laughs> from Equal Justice Initiative, but Equal Justice USA, which seeks to abolish the death penalty. And they use that language pretty specifically. Um, I've got some podcasts on footnotes about that. Uh, our own um, Witness Fellow, Stanley Frankart, yeah. and his ministry having been an incarcerated individual himself starting a ministry while he was in there now continuing that ministry called young christian professionals he became one of our witness fellows uh so um tennessee's tennesseans against the death penalty shout out to stacy rector like just all over the place there are these pockets and when people ask like what gives you hope those are the things yes these small groups of people working giving their all to a cause that a lot of people either don't even know is a real justice issue, or they want to support and uphold the injustice because of the stigma we've given to so-called criminals, right? So that's a yeah. big part of it. And I just want to shout out all the criminal legal reformers, whatever your, your whatever your uh, particular area, whatever your particular organization, the work you're doing is vital. And I think it is in the tradition of abolitionists from the 19th century yeah. and that's continuing today
0: dude that's so incredible one of my great joys is being able to teach once a semester at a maximum security prison um and i've been able to teach preaching that's oh that's really awesome. amazing like teaching the theory of preaching. i love that the, uh, style of preaching, my, my preaching preparation process—that's awesome—and then like try to equip them with certain things. You know, preaching justice. There's all kinds of different things that I, I will teach um, through that course, and so it's really cool to kind of once a semester be able to guest lecture and get to know the guys and Brilliant. connect with them and everything. And you're the right guy. That's uh, awesome. Oh man, it's it's been it's been truly incredible, but it also puts me in proximity to realize the urgent necessity of reform. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the urgent need for it. So. That's a great, great reference um, for us. And I think that's great to include on this list. All right. So we're winding now to our final two. Um, we have, I have two more. You have one more. Yes. And um, so my ninth cultural artifact is going to be a TV show. And I vacillated which TV show I was going to put in here. Um, but it is going to be The Last of Us. Okay, <laughs> uh, good. That limited series um, that is based upon the 2013 uh, video game uh, that came out called The Last of Us. And it follows a um, pandemic that they are about 20 years, I think, or so, 20 years into a pandemic that was caused by a deadly fungal infection that prompted a zombie apocalypse and destabilized the world. <laughs> so um, The Last of Us is wow. I've never seen an episode wow intense
1: and this is why
0: <laughs> um but deeply emotionally resonant i think the thing that stuck with me is following joel and ellie and their relationship and how they have to in many cases bury and move on. There's Mm. one particular scene I'm thinking of, I think it may have been at the end of the third or the fourth episode, where they have to bury in a very tragic way. And they bury and they just keep walking. And it was the level of the decision to still survive, Mm. but also the decision and the desperation to continue in the midst of losing people that you got close to in a Mm. short period of time. How quickly you can get close to people in times of tragedy, and then how quickly that connection can fade and that can, it can be ripped away based upon their lives ending. And you know, whenever you think about post-apocalyptic things, having been someone who's lived through hurricanes where it would knock out the power grid for multiple weeks and you would be in 3-hour gas lines, uh, you know, to to get gas and you'd have to go in and get maybe 3 items from the grocery store and they'd pass you these flashlights and you know, it you know, I've been in those situations where you're looking around and saying just to get basic stuff I have to stand in line for two hours
1: Mm -hmm.
0: outside to get basic stuff, you know, and the desperation of humanity that comes from that, but also the good Mm. that comes from that as well. So, but last of us is an HBO limited miniseries. I think the game is amazing. I haven't been able to play the game. I feel like the game would be more depressing for me than the show. Okay. So um, I'm like, ah, I kind of don't want to play the game, but I should, you know, because it's kind of a classic, you know, in video game culture. But I'll say that the show, I'll put the show in there as a the knife cultural artifact. So again, I haven't seen it. The fungus
1: infects the brain, but it also deforms them.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a mixture. It kind of depends, right? So it kind of becomes, they all kind of have hive mind as a result of it. And they're connected and, you know. So I think that part of the reason why
1: I don't watch it or haven't seen it is superficially, they look grotesque with the fungus. Like like worse than... The, the, and then typical there's different zombie. ones
0: too. There's different ones as a result. I can't, you know, different uh, styles and types.
1: And, uh, yeah. And, and the heaviness of it. Like I saw the one with uh, Offerman, Nick Offerman. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, the clip.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that episode is, that's one of the best episodes of television that I've seen in a very, very, very long time. Brilliant, resonant, human, and deeply, deeply heart breaking
1: so well acted and and again i just saw that 10 12 minute segment and so oh, i yeah. wasn't even invested in the characters but even in that short amount of time i was like oh yep oh my
0: great i recommend it i think it's a good i know it's gonna it's heavy but i would still recommend it you can you can do a chaser with some of your comedy shows and stuff <laughs> like
1: that. um my last one maybe is a little tyler-esque in that it's 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 kind of not predictable If you will, uh, it's a little bit, a little bit off kilter in a good way. Okay. My last one, my last cultural artifact for 2023, the sequels. Hmm. Movie sequels. Wow. Yeah. I just started thinking about exactly. I was thinking about. My movie theater experiences, my streaming experiences, and I have really enjoyed some of the sequels that I've seen. So for instance, the first one that came to mind, Extraction 2. Extraction 2 was really good. Bro. Extraction 2 was really good. Bro. This is with Chris Hemsworth. It's really good. The action scene at the prison, the fight scene, unbelievable. Unbelievable unbelievable uh John Wick level yeah but with a crowd it was it was amazing plot was was good you know and it, it set us up at the end for possible more sequels so it could be this kind of franchise thing another one I just mentioned John Wick four yeah bro that was on that's on my honorable mentions my yeah. my my again a movie I can watch over and over and over I love the simplicity of it they're like here's John Wick He's good at fighting. We're gonna give you two hours of fighting. Right. That's Here's the, it. Here are the guns. <laughs> yes. Um, and and uh, I can't remember which John Wick epi- which John Wick it was, but somebody went through. He he said like three hundred and fifty words the whole movie. The whole movie that was his line. He could memorize it like in a paragraph. Right. And and the rest is just choreography fighting
0: choreography. Another one, Equalizer 3. Have you yeah. seen that one? I have seen Equalizer 3. It was very much so different than the previous very ones. Very much so. Antoine but Fuqua. I think I I really liked where it took the character. Absolutely.
1: I really appreciated the character arc from 1 to 3. Uh, the way they, they sort of wrapped a bow on the series, I thought made sense, did it okay. And then another sequel, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning.
0: Man, I didn't I I I labeled that in our group chat mid Mission Impossible because I thought it was mid, but um it's, I it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's not the best I, Bro, one. I thought it was mid like for real, but I appreciate the risk that they took. It's not the best Mission Impossible.
1: Um that would be in my view maybe Ghost Protocol. Yeah, Ghost Protocol. Yeah. yeah. So probably, yeah. But as a sequel, this is what number 6 in the same, in the franchise. Yeah.
0: And it's Six, still seven, strong. Yeah. I like the tie into the old stuff, you know, and the old situations, everything coming a reckoning, truly a yeah. true reckoning. Yeah. I really like that. So
1: I'm just saying this the series started in 1996. Yeah. It's 2023 that the second to last movie came and it's still strong. Still strong. Yeah. That's impressive. Most can't pull off one sequel. Man. Right? So The sequels—it's been really interesting.
0: Guardians of the Galaxy three, you know, uh, you know—that was
1: so freaking depressing. But yeah, I guess well done.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Dang, bro! We all went to see that together, didn't we?
1: Yeah.
0: Fire, man.
1: Uh, No, I went to see that with. uh, Oh, that's right. You had already seen it. That's right. My bad. So, um, but 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 maybe it speaks to the to the to the Marvelification of movies these days where it's it's a franchise based uh scene where almost you know especially in the action genre every movie is a is a is a is a pilot episode right for what might be, be a franchise. Mix.
0: I think there's definitely like a shared universe thing that Marvel probably coined, and and that's a problem that Marvel probably is unique unique to them. But I think sequels and franchises, I think that's always been that's always been pretty popular. So it's always been pretty popular. Feels like
1: though, what they want is the, the next sequels, yeah. MCU string of hits where you can just count on this franchise to be blockbusters. Um, but I mean, you know, just with the ones I mentioned and there are more, I'm like, ah, but dude, some of them are pretty good.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's a great one. That's a great one to end on. I'm going to end us on a TV show and I'm going to end us on more media. Speaking of the MCUification of everything, my number 10 and if I could rank it would probably be my number one. Okay is Loki Season 2. Oh, Loki season one. Two. Without, without one. any doubt. Yes. Have you seen Loki yes. Season 2? Yes. Let me tell you something. I was not prepared. I was not prepared. I was not ready. I was not, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I was just not prepared. I was not ready. And I'll just say this. I was not ready for the fact that I would step away from that season saying... Loki is the best character in the MCU <laughs> as a character. Right. And you can you can make a strong argument for that. I think that's the best character in the MCU. And I was blown away by the levels and layers of how not just they built on Loki, but I was blown away by the fact that they were able to keep that that cast intact, mm. add maybe one or two people to it and really feel like that's a family. Mm. I was like this cast feels like a family. This cast feels like they're in, encountering things together, trying to solve problems, save people. There were shocking moments, there were moments of of you know, where you were just completely blown away by the expectation of what was going to happen than what actually happened. And there, was, there were moments of great loss and defeat and failure. And I guess there were moments of triumph, but not really. <laughs> you know, it's just like, Question what mark. do you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, kind of. So I guess, you know, in the strict definition, there's overcoming, but it's like, what does overcoming really look like? Yeah. And the line that sums it up is, um, purpose is more burden than glory. Come on. And when a certain character said that, you know. Um, I was in shambles because I felt like that's how many of us feel like purpose is glory, but purpose yields with it such a profound burden and a weight that honestly, for those who do not have loving community, faith and belief in Christ and hope for eternity. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yeah. I just honestly, I personally don't, I'm not saying you can't, I'm just saying I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you keep going in a way that sustains you and in a way that features a, a true fulfillment. And so I just think Loki wrestled with so many different things. And, and in a moment he has to blurt out what he really wants. Yeah. And in that, that moment, where like, what do you want? What do you want? I want this. I want this. I want that. I just wanna. And when he says what he says, you know,
1: and it felt like it felt genuine, true from from all the movies that yes. you had seen, you could sort of feel that underlying his character without him ever coming close to admitting it in the films. But then in the show, when he says it, it's like, finally,
0: yeah. I know everybody's like, I don't want to see another MCU thing, another Marvel thing, another whatever. I different. hear you. Let me tell you, it's different. Yeah, L- watch Loki season two, and Probably that season one. Oh yeah, well <laughs> if you haven't seen season one, you got to watch season one. It's gonna, not going to make sense unless you do that. So watch season one and season two, and I, I know you Marvel of you know MCUification of everything. Ah, you got to watch this to watch this to watch this. No, I think you can watch those two seasons self contained. I think you'll be totally fine. And I think you will fall in love with the character. And the character has clearly fallen in love with himself. But I think at the end of it, I think you'll get a greater appreciation. I
1: just, I think it's actually a great illustration of what I'm learning more and more in Justice work is the external changes may or may not come. Hmm. But what happens to you in the process of
0: my, it, my, 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 my.
1: that's what the work is really Ooh. about in a lot of ways. So... Loki, of all things, would be an illustration of that.
0: Boy, <laughs> that's good, man. man. That's good. Okay, all right. We got to run through our honorable mentions. Real quick. Give me some honorable mentions. Ah, that you're you going to love this one. Um, Time Person of the Year, 2023. Do you know who that is? Uh, probably Deion Sanders, right? No. No, I don't.
1: Taylor Swift. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't just me. It ain't just me. Listen, it is you and many no. young white high school. Hey, teenagers. whatever the demographics,
1: right? But but here's the other cool one: is Wikipedia <laughs> does sort of a wrap up Do every really? year Do of they? their top twenty five uh, articles, and there was a bunch of other stuff. But she's number twelve on Wikipedia with nineteen million page views just to find out more about this megastar I'm just saying in terms of somebody who put together artistry longevity and business, there's other artists you know who are who come who who are in the same league, namely beyonce one, of, you know, course, um, of course of oh course but just the cultural impact is is up there. So that's one honorable mention. I got more. What do you go got? Go ahead. No, sure, no, sure. No, 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 sure. go, keep going. Cause okay, I yeah,
0: out. so I, my, the Attack on Titan finale, okay, I almost got you, you almost got for the first time a repeat mention <laughs> onto the list. That was the last thing that I cut. And the only reason I cut it is because I felt like I hadn't sat with it enough because it just happened. So it was absolutely incredible, resonant. Tied everything up, ended the the show arc supremely well. That's an anime I talked about a couple years ago. Go back and uh, listen to me talk about it and go and watch Attack on Titan. Uh, John Wick 4 that you mentioned. <laughs> nice. The TV show The Bear Season 2. Because yes. I'd already mentioned The Bear, I didn't bring it up again. But The Bear is uh, church leadership, church planting. Just know that. <laughs> um, My Truth, the album by Jonathan McReynolds um cleo soul's album is amazing kurt franklin's father's day documentary oh yeah he didn't yeah, put that, that, that in one of mine um so those are some of mine i have a couple of more but yeah you have
1: any others father's day uh documentary was on mine i've got a list of documentaries i haven't seen yet but i'm excited about um i i i, I did uh audible was another uh, audible, i did that yeah. last year um, so I didn't put it on the list this year, but it's really the books in there. Yeah, same. Um, so, so I've been listening to, of course, a lot of, a lot of sort of business books, but also a lot of biography, comedy, comedy, drama by Bob Odenkirk
0: Okay, yeah, was
1: really interestingly done. I am, I am a, I am a comedian memoir connoisseur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, there are some that are done really well, including, um, who's my guy, uh, Seth Rogan's was hilarious because he didn't try to do anything other than what he does which is be a very talented stoner <laughs> you know <laughs> I was like and and his book read that way um uh
0: Will is amazing on audiobook yeah yeah you Smith were telling me about yeah, that yeah the Will Smith
1: uh, autobiography is amazing on So I love audiobook. I love listening to that another honorable mention for me is uh the podcast Smartless
0: Really yeah okay I, I don't heard know this. if we've
1: talked about this um yeah uh uh three, three f- 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 guys in their 50s, white guys, actors... Um, yes, we have talked about this. Yeah. We did
0: mention this, yes. So... Uh,
1: I was unexpectedly taken in by this um, because there's this banter at the beginning, and then the shtick is one of the ge- one of the hosts invites a guest, and the other two don't know who it is, so it's completely unscripted. But it sounds like you're in the group chat for for these guys, and what's funny, we we're talking about mastery before. You know they've all been in the business for 30 plus years or more. So they know what they're talking about when it comes to acting, television, and movies, directing, all of that. They know everybody in the industry. They can speak with incredible knowledge about it. And um, it's just funny and it's fun. And we talked about um, in, in uh, the first Cultural Artifacts, uh, morning routines. And this is one of my morning routines I just listened to because I'm catching up on all oh, the backwards great. I listen yeah. to episodes,
0: yeah. I love that. Uh, the, the EP Like a Ship by Pastor T.L. Barrett that is from the seventies. That almost made my list. It's a lot of like old school black church choir music, but um, that's brilliantly done. Sounds very modern. Used a lot in your Netflix, you know, documentaries and stuff like that. Uh, the anime Vinland Saga was was has been really fun. Um, I've really enjoyed that. Uh, the book there's a book called Someday Is Today that I've read. That's really helped my creative process. So check that out. And then the artist I want to give you. A uh, recommendation for that I was mentioning earlier is an artist named Shabuzi, who is a black uh, country slash hip hop artist. Huh. So he does country, trap, hip hop stuff. It's re- really that dope. That sounds
1: very intriguing. Yeah, I, I think it's called Let It...
0: The, the, uh, there's one song I think it's called Let It Burn or something like that. I think that one was really the one that grabbed me and he just has such a unique, refreshing Shabuzi. Shabuzi. Yeah. Hard to forget. Shabuzi. Anyway, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a great year. <laughs> it's it's been a great year. Thank you all so much for continuing to support pass the mic and taking joy in what we take joy in. So go back and listen to part one and then definitely um, follow and listen to the things from part two and i'm really excited about 2024 and excited to learn more discover more and go on that journey with you so we'll catch you next year right here on past the, the mic, mic.